everybody this is the comics deserve better podcast welcome back if you've listened before and welcome for the first time if this is one of your first times listening to us i am brian as always and with me uh, is richard hey and darcy hello and unfortunately, Carrie's not with us today, but we do have a very special guest uh, returning to the show. Rebecca, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, yeah. yeah. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, Carrie had a couple things to do this weekend, so uh, she is not able to join. But she will have her impression on this episode because she will be editing. So she uh. might pop in and say a couple of curse words or something. I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Okay, so anyways. She might well, edit you out. Yep. Yeah, like, like, wow, this is the shortest episode ever. Um, oh, okay, so and the description is like comics deserve better with a hundred percent less pride. Yes, exactly. That's what makes it better. Um Oh Lord. <laughs> okay. Well, well, let's let's go ahead and go ahead. We have a huge episode, actually. Uh, we have an interview uh, the, in the for our main topic. If you've seen the uh, title of the episode, and uh, which actually, you know, spoiler alert, we've already recorded and it went well, and I hope you guys all enjoy it. Uh, but let's go ahead and jump into the news, Darcy. Um, since I you put this down, and we were going to talk about it last week, but I'm glad we're talking about it this week. Uh, um, I'll go ahead and let you take the microphone here. Okay. Okay. Um, this is something, if you follow us on Twitter uh, or just follow our Twitter, period, this is not news to you. Um, but Amazon has migrated Comixology to its comic store and to uh, the Kindle desktop reader uh, and has ended, uh, I believe, Comixology submit and put it with uh, the Kindle submit program uh so none of this is new if you are on comiXology they did not give you a choice they did a forced update it wasn't you're going to choose when you want to update all of that was forced congratulations um this has been discourse on twitter for the last since the 17th when the forced update happened um and i've been tweeting about it incessantly for the past couple of days uh this is something we have talked about in the podcast in the past because we are all avid uh, Comixology users for several different reasons, but we do use Comixology Unlimited quite a lot on this show because Comixology Unlimited has been an excellent service for us. Uh, but I have talked about how often I used Comixology in the past because it was such a great resource as an international reader when I was living abroad. Um, and that has come out to be uh, from the Twitter discourse uh, to be a really important thing, not just for me, not I, I wasn't the only one who used that, but it across the board, a lot of people have had that experience. Um, we've now had this for like three days um, and it, it's, uh, it's appeared broken in many various ways, but mostly uh, we knew from the jump that the desktop uh, had problems. The desktops always had problems. The desktop reader, uh, if you'd been reading uh, graphic format on the desktop reader, uh, it, it's never been good. Two-page spreads have always been distant. Zooming in's always been a problem. That didn't get fixed uh, in this transition. 
uh, just getting to the reader from the desktop has always been a pain in the ass. And that's true of just the Kindle program period. If you're just reading books, getting to it is not, it should be on the front page. It should be just an easy thing to get to their Amazon. They started out as books. It's not, you have to go in like five areas deep in your account. It's not easy to get to. At the beginning, kind of everybody kind of thought, okay, it's just the desktop. Everybody was like, oh, it's only if you're a desktop reader. That is not accurate. As we know now, three days in, there are issues with the app as well. Uh, the app is not structured the same. We were given the idea that it was just going to be the Comixology app. It's not. It's now structured almost identical to the Kindle app, which is fine, I guess, if you're just a book reader. But if you're not a book reader, uh, comics come in series. And it doesn't really sort by series quite as well. It, it sorts okay by series, but it the way it, the search is set up isn't great. It doesn't search by genre really well. Uh, your front page of the app is really terrible. It sorts new sales, trending, and I think right now that's it. It's got a search bar at the top. So it's almost like if you don't know what you're looking for, you're not going to find it. Things get buried super fast. There was somebody who said they had a, a Comixology exclusive and that they, they can't even find it with the full name of what they wrote. Uh, so there are serious issues right now. Hopefully, it's something that will get addressed, but Amazon's never really been great at addressing the problems they have. They've always just kind of let them go. Uh, so uh, there are definitely concerns. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, this is something they've had years and years to work on. If you use Comixology, you know, they've had the two logins for years. And the reason for that is because they've been asking people to merge for years. Amazon's bought this company uh, like something like five years ago, seven years ago. So they've had time to do this and they just did a real shit job. Yeah, um, I use the 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 application on a um, Apple tablet and it was kind of a, a shock. Uh, it's something I guess we're going to have to get used to. Uh, the The reading itself, when you're reading the comic, I guess that's the, the almost important thing is very similar to the way it was before on the, at least on the, on the app it is. Uh, I haven't come across a lot of two page spreads yet, but it, it, it easily, when you, when you move your tablet into landscape mode, it, it seems to, to follow that very well. Uh, so it's, it hasn't been too much of an issue um, when reading wise, but looking for stuff. Yeah. It's, I don't understand why you want to, bury things <laughs> like like uh, it's hard to find stuff that i've already purchased um it's it's um the one thing that they are doing is that if you purchase multiple comics in the same series they're all within the same bookmark like you can uh, th or thumbnail and you can press it and then it shows all the books of that of what you purchased from that series so that's nice but if you're looking for something you haven't purchased from that series then put on your explorer hat because you're going to be in the jungle for a while looking for that. 
And pre-purchases are gone. Mm -hmm. Series for international readers, uh, series subscriptions are gone. Um, Looking up, um, that was a problem with the app before, just looking up series that were coming in the future you couldn't find. But the good thing with that was you had the dedicated Comixology site. And so it was fairly easy to find that on the Comixology site. Now you have to go on Amazon site. And Amazon has a terrible book site. Which is so ironic almost because <laughs> it, it is, but it, you know, it's cluttered with you go on Amazon's book site and you go like once one search deep on a book and all of a sudden you're getting recommendations for, you know, face cleanser and it sucks. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting. I just looked at it because I, don't read on comicsology like every day so i guess i haven't been back since i read sparrowhawk last week and yeah it's it's a worse interface but i feel like this is unfortunately the history of comicsology it just kind of continually gets worse like i remember they were able to get me all the time they'd have sales and i'd jump in my comicsology app and i'm like yeah i love this book i want it digitally that you couldn't buy on the store and i just use i just i feel like amazon since purchasing this app they're finding ways for me to use it less and less and less as each year goes by (laughs) it's unfortunate because it's a good app or it was at least it started out as a great app so what we need is is basically competition for them because I think the reason why it keeps getting worse and worse is because they can cut corners because there's no other way really to to get comics. And, and it'll speaking... be hard because I imagine all the comics people, I imagine all the companies have all got their deals and don't want to give too many other people cuts. So right, right, right. Exactly. or and can't undercut Amazon just like everything else. Everything mm-hmm. else has problems undercutting Amazon. So speaking on where your competition is, essentially, yeah. um, you've got Graphite, which I speak about frequently. It's not great. I know a lot of people don't love it, um, but it is something it's as close to Comixology, I think, as you're going to get at the moment. Comixology or Graphite's premium program, I think, is about five dollars. So it's about the same price as Comixology Unlimited. You're not getting anything close to the same amount of content, Um, but it's something, you know, they've got boom books, they've got dynamite, they've got um, dark horse, they've got a lot of stuff on there. Uh, Source point press books, they've got a lot of good content, not as much, but they've got a lot of good content. Um, You've obviously got uh, Marvel's uh, um, Marvel unlimited DC's got one, uh, but all of these have limitations uh, connected with them as well. Again, Graphite doesn't have the uh, broad uh, uh, array of comics. Marvel's obviously just Marvel. DC's got international, like they don't have the allowance of international readers. Um always check and see what your local library has with its digital uh, digital uh, availability. Even if your local library doesn't have a good comics availability, your local library's digital resource is connected to a region, not just your local library. So you want to check Hoopla or OneDrive, um, not OneDrive, 
overdrive. Um, and those will connect you with a regional source. Uh, so like my local library doesn't have anything because I live in a town of 1200. It doesn't even have a library. My county library is tiny as hell, has nothing, but it's connected with the North Texas library system, which includes Dallas. It has tons of stuff. Um, you got to wait for it because it's a library. You get put on a waiting list. You only have it for a couple weeks. You got to give it back. But um, it, it's something. Also a limited availability, but it's something. Um, it's a pretty good service. After we recorded about Saga, yeah. a friend of mine, uh, after she listened, she mentioned to me that she was able to read the entire series through uh, that service. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, lots of stuff are available. That's how I first read, like, Prince and the Dressmaker. Uh, I've, I've read, I suddenly can't remember names of comics, but I've read a good number of comics <laughs> on, um, on that service. Uh, I have uh, been reading kind of uh, Mad Cave comics lately, and I, as, and they're associated with a, a digital comic site called Drive Through Comics, uh, and Drive Through Comics not only does it have like Mad Cave books, it has a lot of other smaller independent press stuff. Um, you know, a lot of stuff that you can't find on Comicsology even before the change. And uh, but they also do Vault and Valiant, Top Cow. You know, they do they do they do some of the bigger independents like Dark Horse as well as on here. I oh wait no it's not on here <laughs> I lied about that but you know but they have um but yeah you can you can find a good amount of uh, digital comics and as long as you have an external PDF comic book reader and I'm assuming that if you read digital comics you do um then mm -hmm. then yeah it's it's an easy download uh, you download the PDF or the CBZ file and put it on your uh, on your reader and read it that way. And if you don't have a reader, they're fairly easy to find in. Uh an app shop i use cover brian you use i use chunky which yeah <laughs> i like besides the i use movies. uh comic flow i think it's called the one yeah. i use yeah there there are lots of them available most of them are pretty good um most of them have like free and paid versions depending on like how much you want to put on at any one given time um so yeah, there's lots of stuff available, lots of stuff out there. Humble Bundle obviously exists and mm -hmm. is a great service. You can buy digital comics individually from publishers. It's a little bit more unwieldy. It's a little bit more annoying. You mm -hmm. don't get it all in one spot, but that's also available. The only thing that really gets me is people who come out and they're like, you've got to buy physical now. And that's just it, people who have switched to digital are unlikely to switch back to physical because there's a reason people switch to digital absolutely like space or where you live doesn't have a, a comic book shop nearby you know there's a lot of reasons uh, also when it comes to buying from individual um places i've noticed like ahoy uh, is one of them not to not to drive people out but and sometimes source point as well um they're not available digitally the day of release. You have to wait like a couple weeks later um, until they have a digital version. 
And so, so that also kind of like for me, who's buying comic books weekly, I have my list of what I want to buy that week. And then the next week I have a list of what I want to buy. And I forget to put the, the books I wasn't able to buy the week before on back onto that list. And so sometimes things just kind of fall through the cracks for me. And that's, but at the same time, sometimes buying from publishers directly can be cheaper. Source point yes. presses, digital copies, uh, they sell them cheaper. It's at least a dollar cheaper a, each time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you, if you're buying them, if you've been buying your Source Point Press books from Comicsology, you're overpaying. Mm-hmm. Shout out <laughs> which to. I, oh, so good. Yeah, which which um, I didn't know. Like the first time I bought a Comicsology Source Point Press book, I didn't realize. Then I went to Graphite, and they had a couple free, and I was like, "Well, Comicsology." <laughs> and then I went to Source Point Press, and I was like, "Oh, dude, they're cheaper." So I started buying them from from directly from the source so it is a good idea to shop around it is sometimes it is cheaper but it is time consuming and sometimes it'll get a little bumbled up yes exactly i mean exactly time is money people say that for a reason we are busy so Mm -hmm. and um shout out to uh the winchester mystery houses which i recently purchased off of the source point press that was richard's uh, uh spotlight a few episodes back way back yeah it it was definitely a a fun series and they'll have a new one coming out pretty soon too so okay well i guess we'll move on to some more brighter news in a way uh we're gonna do our diy corner real quick um so well our diy corner uh we're going to be talking about an iron circus book uh we've talked about iron circus before uh they were using crowdfunding essentially to um to fund their books uh and they were one of the top companies using kickstarter well we all know we've all heard what's been going on with kickstarter lately and iron circus has decided that they were going to drop kickstarter and start crowdfunding on their own site so the first book um that they've decided to do this with is a part of a series that actually the first book um, was their first ever Iron Circus uh, Kickstarter book. So it's kind of cool that they're starting with another book of the series. It's called Porecraft, and the book um, that is currently available to donate or to fund is called the Porecraft Cookbook, which is also one of the reasons why I want to talk about this, because here at the podcast we like cookbooks we like food comics so this is um basically the story or um of um these characters that are kind of it's basically how to cook how to survive on a budget but eat like a king or queen or anything in between you know just uh you know have uh have good fun you know food on a budget the artwork is absolutely wonderful it has a very 1930s feel to it uh actually i guess i should talk about who the creators are to it uh the um the create the characters were originally created by c spike trotman who's actually the the person who runs iron circus um and this was written and drawn by uh nero via galos o'reilly uh but yeah Art is amazing. It's in the, the the sample pages they have. It's pretty funny. Um, it's it's your good standard fare food comic. 
Um, and it's also you're, you're you're supporting a good cause by uh, by kind of going through Iron Circus directly to do some um, crowdfunding. Um, this this particular uh, I'm bad at math, so uh, <laughs> this particular uh, campaign has 21 days to go as of last Saturday when you're reading this. So you have maybe like two weeks in order to jump on this. Uh, there's a lot of cool. Uh, incentives uh to donate um and also some some goal incentives as well so i would definitely um recommend checking this out yeah i think it looks good i like you said we like a comic book cookbook here and this is a good example of that and the art is incredibly adorable so i think uh, i i think it could be a very good offering and i hope people go for it a lot of fun. Mm. I'm always here for anything that's pro food, so you already know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> as, as Whenever I. I tell uh, people about a nice restaurant uh, here in the city, I'm always like, look, there's a chubby nine year old inside of all of us, <laughs> and they're going to be very happy with the decisions you're making here. Mm. So I'm here for every pro cooking, pro food uh, comic, cookbook, etc. <laughs> I have a, a chubby 41-year-old living on the outside of me. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, yeah, definitely. Um, we'll, we'll, put, we'll drop the uh, URL down there and uh, for, for you all to, uh, to check out. And hopefully um, you get, get to it before the campaign ends. I'm not yeah, sure what they're... I'm sure they'll, they'll, be, they'll be reselling it afterwards, but it's just it's good to get on the, the campaign so that they are able to make this book. Um, and I'm, I always love anything that has that like uh, kind of like 30s almost Fleischer art style. Yes, it's like you're you're gonna get me every time. I'm talking to you, Cuphead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen that? There's a new Cuphead character. Um, no. It's, it's there's a female character now. Oh, um, cool. I forgot her name, but it's a once again it's a pun towards some kind of cravat, <laughs> some carrying device of liquid. So I. Don't know what else I have to say about that. <laughs> okay. <well. laughs> okay. All right. Um, we'll go ahead. Uh, let's move on then to our spotlight section. Um, let's see who, you know, we have a full house today. Uh, let's go. I'm going to say Rebecca, since you are a special guest, <sighs> if you don't mind. <laughs> no, I don't to go mind. first. I don't mind. Yeah, sure. Um... Rebecca comes to the front of the class. Yes. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> We're all going to stare at you and make you nervous uh, while you yeah. talk about so this. So inspired by having just listened to Mouse, your episode on Mouse, um, I finally got around to reading a book that I bought the minute I heard about it called The Unfinished Corner, which is from Vault's Young Adult line. So that's uh, Wonderbound. Uh, and it's written by Danny Coleman, uh, art by Rachel Petrovich, color Wendy Kogar and Jim Campbell lettering and it's uh so it was how did, how did somebody sell it to me that it's a young adult book about teens and um but it's drawing from Jewish mythology and uh so not just um not bible and not uh just necessarily Jewish culture, but things like um, that I grew up hearing about, like the books and uh, how we talk about angels and demons because we don't have a 
hell as such and you know our concepts of of good and evil are like it's sort of not the catholic ones um and i was like you know this has been great for me when i was growing up so uh let's give it a go and then i so i bought it never got around to reading it because i've been having huge problems with reading generally during the pandemic my sisters were like oh bring it up to for us to read and then one of them just nicked it and so i've only just got it back <laughs> from them and uh, sat down and read it today and it's really good like uh it had a really positive review anyway, but it's it's basically about a group of teens, well, young teens, actually, very young teens, because the, the main character, Miriam, is about to have a bat mitzvah. So she's just turning 12. And uh, so you get a little bit on her family, but it's like they're going to, they go to a Jewish school, uh, religious Jewish, an Orthodox Jewish school, uh, I should say. And um, she's just heard that she's got into art school. So she's going to leave, but she hasn't told her friends she's going to leave. And then they get kind of whisked away by this angel to um, help finish creation. Right? So there's this myth that like there's one bit of creation that God didn't finish. And that's where all these... Um, uh, not demons, but sort of not quite human the Dibbooks and the half demons and the children of Lilith is what they'd traditionally be called. So um, Lilith there and, um, and because she's artistic and her name's Miriam and they've been basically reveals later that he's been going through all these famous Jewish artists because it needs somebody who can do this world building to do it. But then in between you get like the kids talking about um, being attacked uh, like having anti-Semitic attacks and as they go to school um, you have the whole betrayal of what, what secrets they all have from each other the sort of normal sort of so there's two boys two girls really good that one of the boys is black as well because I think a lot of people don't necessarily realize that Jews aren't this sort of mono like white culture I mean I think people do know that but they don't always take it on board um and uh it that it, it touches on the holocaust and you know the one obviously one of the biggest jewish uh, uh legends the golem of prague so they go to recruit the golem of prague they do this little indiana jones hunt for the golem and um and there's this very powerful sequence where the most religious kid is like i don't understand why you know, like he he sort of says to the rabbi, "How many how many Jews lived in Prague, and how many lived Jews lived in Prague after the Holocaust?" And um, and sort of starts, uh, or not after the Holocaust, but after this these big anti-Semitic attacks, and like it's going, why didn't the golem protect them? And 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 has that discussion with the golem, like why didn't you come and protect them? And it's very heavily implied that God comes to answer this. So it's it's quite heavy themes, but it doesn't shy away from them. It's not this sort of little, just a beautiful fantasy. It, it digs into it all. And I think it's, it's a really interesting window for non-Jewish people to see some of the things that we were raised talking about and thinking about um, that, are a, that, that aren't only focused on anti-semitism but also the sort of some of the more beautiful side of it so i thought it was great and it's totally young adult appropriate and yeah i'm going to read it well done uh vault for 
for going in there because there's not that many uh, Jewish. I mean, there's tons of Jewish comics creators. We all know about sort of the origins of Marvel and and mm-hmm. you know, like, but uh, to actually have one that that sort of says here's some of our sort of legends as well. That sounds awesome. Yeah, no, it sounds really good. I was actually going to ask about the Gollum, and then I was yeah. just like. I was like, I don't want to be insensitive because I was like, I don't know if that's uh, mythology or because it is part of the canon, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, look, it's. It's. It, it, I always, I always struggle with when you apply the word mythology to things right. that are, you know, like I've, I've been struggling a bit in sort of discussing Moon Knight as well, but I think, um, I, I don't know how many people believe the golem existed or if it was a nice story or whatever like, i don't think it's offensive right. to say is it i think i guess legend is probably more um apt than mythology but you know i've i've got a big golem of prague t-shirt a big fan nice if my religion had a golem i'd be a big fan as well it's awesome it, <laughs> yeah. i mean it's such a beautiful story and and our you know a lot of our uh, stories and um apocrypha are based on things that came to try and protect us because you know like, there's a lot of stories of persecution through the ages mm-hmm. um and uh and, but the golem is just just so such a good story and it's so so well done is that you write the word on him he comes to life you rub it out uh and then but i've never really then taken it to the point where this comic does which is saying well why didn't he just activate and it's like he didn't activate because no one asked him to and it's like why did nobody ask him to come help them and this is a really powerful sequence where they basically sort of say because they thought these were their friends and neighbors who would never turn on them in this way yeah and it it literally (laughs) hit me so hard like You know, and I've grown up with like every Holocaust film. Like when you were talking about Mouse, it's like, yeah, I was watching it from like 12, 13 because I went to a Jewish school. So we were like inundated with this stuff. Um, But nobody's ever just phrased it so succinctly to me is that like they didn't even ask for protection because they just didn't think it was going to happen. And it's just like, this is Mike from next door. I know Mike. Mike would have done that. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, and it just hits you so hard. And there's that, so there's that Oof. bit, and there's there's a bit of the beginning where he says these kids threw bacon at him, and um, and uh, and and then, but like two pages later, he's like, going, but it tasted quite good, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like you know, and that's that kind of like, I like that humanity of it. It's not, it wasn't, it's not trying to like sort of say these things are black and white. They're all nuanced, and and that's the most religious kid saying, but you know, it tasted kind of good. So like, uh, uh, and that's the kind of thing, it's the way we talk about it. And like, um, so I think there were like a couple of points where I almost, uh, and, and also I should probably give a content warning for another, but there's a, um, a cot death in it. Okay. Um, and again, it's framed with the kid saying, how, how could God let this happen? You know, mm-hmm. like, and uh, uh, or you know, he's challenging Lilith on it because you know, oh, you know, there's this thing that if if that Lilith comes after newborns, and she's like, well, no, actually, I try and protect them, and this is what your brother was doing in those days, and it's just like that. So there's that bit, and then the uh, the Gollum bit, and they're they're the kind of like really hard hitting, but um, in a way that like I think kids should be exposed sometimes to these things, and it's all done in in very uh, age appropriate uh, language. Um, 
So, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I, I, I saw it got a good review, so I bought it straight away. And I'm just like, it's so unusual. And, and I just loved it. So I, I wanted to come and, and recommend it. Yeah, the color coloring looks really good. I, I like the vibrant colors that are used during yeah. kind of the more fantastical situations. And um the yeah, I, I'm I'm a huge fan of both like the Legend of Lilith and as well as the Golem. So it's like I'm I'm all in for this. Yeah. And I, I yeah, I'd I'd recommend it to everyone, really. No, and, and I just I just love being here in the future that like we get these type of things. Like even when you think about it, Jack Kirby, Stanley are two Jews that couldn't make explicitly Jewish things because that's how the time and the, that's where the times yeah. were and the culture were was. And it's just kind of like, even now it's, we're still, it still trickles in. Like, I, I feel like so much of my personal Jewish representation experience was just through random episodes of Rugrats growing up. And that was it. Yeah. There yeah. was nothing live action. No other cartoons were tackling any of those subjects. And like, there definitely wasn't comics or anything. Like, I think uh, the thing just got to be canonically Jewish in the last few years, if I, you know, if I understand. So uh, I it, just it, love... it was definitely a retcon into it. Yeah, but even he's, you know, you know, like there was a big fight fight this week about him eating pork in, in the most recent comic. Ooh, um, right. <laughs> I saw that. Dan Slav was like, I'm Jewish. I eat pork. But what of it? And, uh, and a lot of people, a lot of Jewish people do, you know, it's like, uh, yeah. but I will also say that the people who try and persuade me to the most are Jewish friends. Yeah. <laughs> Non-Jewish friends are like, you don't eat pork, that's fine. Like Jewish friends are like, you should totally eat it. It's great. And I'm like, just get off my case. All right. Like not all Jews eat it. You know, like. Let me give you the bums rush as a Gentile. It's so good. It's so, I, so good. That's <laughs> fine. And, and it's fine. But it's like, you know, when you've never had something, it's like, I've never had that. Like, it's not like I don't eat nice food. So like, why would I start? And it's just like, uh, I accept that it's delicious because all my friends eat it. It's fine. I They all eat cheese as well. I can't stand that. Oh, every I time know. you tell me that it's just the worst thing you've ever told me <laughs> I, know, I love saying it to people because they get so much more offended about that than the uh the pig. Yeah. <laughs> and as as someone who I, I we were just having this conversation as someone who also uh had to abstain from pork not because i was jewish because of a cult um beef bacon i'm telling you beef bacon <laughs> i'm and definitely even 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 if you uh, did not, even if you have no religious or, you know, dietary restrictions against pork, I still recommend trying beef oh, bacon. Uh, it, it's so it. worth it. it. It's it tastes it crisps up really well. You've totally um, sold us. I mean, yeah, it's yes. it's great. And not enough people have tried it. I realize right now it's going to be a bit of a monetary investment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like buy it and save it for a special like breakfast. <laughs> Meat freezes really I, well. So yeah, definitely. I will say this, Rebecca. My godfather told me this when I was like a young adult, and it was one, you know, one of the smartest things he always told me about like temptation and doing bad things. If you don't know what you're missing, then you don't know what you're missing. So exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's that's always been my thing. I mean, like I know so many people that are like, you know, it's not like I go out and eat kosher everywhere. It's just like I just if that's going to be the one thing that starts that conversation with me to say openly I'm Jewish, I'm cool with it. Like, uh, 
you know, uh, certainly pork and bacon would always be more appealing than shellfish. However, so I don't. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, no, shellfish no, yeah. is awful. That's that's the thing I've kept. You know, <laughs> like <awful>? I. I, <laughs> uh, I, I did it like a couple of times and then I'm just like, you know what? I, I'll keep that from the cult. No more. Shelf. I'm like, I'm like, there's a reason that these things were put in shells. Yes. And whoever, whoever picked up the first prawn and thought, I'm going to eat this. Like, I have no idea what you were thinking about. Must you must have really been hungry. really hungry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know why the, uh, the crab did not share any of its toys, right? No. It was shellfish. Well, you know what? I, I can't even say it was bad because it got a healthy chuckle from most of us. Yeah, <laughs> well, you got to respect that humor. Uh, no, I was I was laughing at him, not at him. Oh. oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> okay, well. Uh, shout out though to Wonderbound. I think we've talked about of a few Wonderbound comics lately, and um, they they're producing some great stuff. Absolutely, yeah they're they're putting out winners left and right. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna check out more of their stuff. Rassel Castle, we we did that a couple. Of, yeah, I yeah, yeah, it was good. It was really good. So definitely recommend. Okay, well, uh, how about you, Richard? Uh, do you want to go next? Oh, sure. It is time for uh, Action Corner because I am back with more Chicken Devil. (laughs) (laughs) So I read issue three of Chicken Devil and it's just, it's so funny because so many books that I read, like the authors really are, they're really trying to get a message and this is just dumb action movie stuff and it's 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 like sugar it's like hey do you want some candy it has no nutritional value but it's just really good and really fun um again this is by uh brian uh busolato excuse me (laughs) oh my excuse me (laughs) No, there worries. we go. I caught my I caught my breath. Oh. So yeah, Brian Busolato, Hayden uh, Sherman, and Hassan Atsbane Elhow. And uh, in this issue, our when we last left our uh, quote unquote hero Mitchell, uh, his partner, who's gotten him into all this mess, just got his you know brains blown in, and the uh, drug runners that are after him are closing in. And basically, this is where we finally get the turn in this issue because he gets caught, but. Uh, Mitchell, uh, our chicken uh, devil, is finally uh, asserting himself, and he just proceeds to uh, concoct a plan to murder everybody that's murdered his family. And it's just, it's beautiful art, but it's just, it's everything about it is so gratuitous. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, it's fun, like, it's, it's fun just because I don't read enough, like, I don't read much stuff like that anymore. So it's just like, yes, here's this big thing, action set piece, action set piece, um, threatening, taken style dialogue, where, you know, that that scene of taken, you know, I'll, if, if you leave now, we're good. But if not, I will find you and I'll kill you. Like, that's that's all that's going on here, basically. <laughs> but it's just big, dumb fun. And at the end of issue three, there's quite the plot twist. So I just say, check it out. If you like big, dumb fun, or if, you know, we a lot of heavy stuff in the world and just a lot of stuff that's 
that really matters. So like, just yeah, sink into sink into this uh big bowl of candy and take take your mind off things for a little bit. It's sometimes a lot of fun to uh, read about other people making bad decisions because <laughs> at least it's not you that's making those bad decisions. So. Absolutely, it's so funny too because like I'm like I'm I'm not a pacifist, but like I'm not like into violence. I'm not into guns, but it's just like. I don't know if it's just you grew up in 80, you know, the 80s, 90s media where that's what, you know, we talked about uh, Diary of the Astro Nudes. Nudity was always bad, but you could give as much gratuitous action, yeah. you know, as you want, as yeah, much always. gratuitous violence as you want. That's the culture that we come from. So even though in my normal life, I'm not about that, it's like, oh, yeah, no, but you could show me that on TV or in a comic or in a video game. And I'm here for it. Not all the time. But like it's just like a it's like a um, it's like a vestigial thing that like oh yeah you remember all that uh, that that violence you grew up with yeah yeah have some of it sometimes it's almost comforting now <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I I remember watching Predator with my dad uh, on our TV like at age ten or eleven and it's like 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 oh this is a really good sci fi movie it's like whoa mm-hmm. <laughs> like and then now thinking about it now it's like wow should I have watched that when I was ten or eleven years old but for yeah. me it was uh was it a uh, Death Wish and Kickboxer ah and well, it's just like, excellent movies <laughs> but very fun movies both of them pretty problematic and yes very mm-hmm. violent mm-hmm. but that's what we're you know that's what we grew up on so here we are. <laughs> Charlie Bronson is that wonderful one note character that uh, does so much with that one note. <laughs> Love it. Um, all right. Well, definitely. Uh, once it's collected, I'm going to pick it up. And I and think the it. final issue is out, so there should hopefully should be a collection in the next couple of months. Okay, fantastic. Sounds really good. Okay. Well, Darcy, uh, do you want to go next? Yes, I can. Um, I've got That Salty Air by Tim Sievert. Um, it is a black and white comic about a man who is, he loves the sea. He's a fisherman. He's really respectful of it. Um, but then his mom dies uh because of the sea she drowns or something uh and suddenly he just kind of flips a switch and hates the ocean Hmm. and it is just like the ocean like he kicks the water (laughs) he like it becomes really selfish in his grief just like really really selfish in his grief but he's a fisherman that's the only thing he knows to do So he, you know, gets drunk and he still has to fish to like make his money and take care of his wife who's pregnant. Um, But he can't like he used to be really respectful when he fished. You know, he took care. He didn't overfish. He didn't fish like the way he fished was very uh, smart. And now it's not. And that kind of thing. And uh he's just he's not bringing in fish he's not bringing in money he's spiraling his wife's trying to help him and he doesn't care and he's treating her bad and uh it's it's this really interesting story about uh grief and selfishness and family and uh giant sea squid (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> that's kind of hunting him sort of i don't oh, know nice. uh yeah it's it's really interesting and beautiful and sad and um uh, almost hopeful because his wife I don't know if she loves him necessarily, but she sticks with him regardless. <laughs> like she, she fights for him, even though he's a terrible kind of person. Like I'd be out of there in a heartbeat, but, but she stays and she stays with him. And uh, I, I don't know. I really, really loved this book quite a lot. So I, I, I recommend reading it. It's a pretty fast read. Um, despite being over a hundred pages, like I didn't feel that at all. It reads nice. really fast. Um, and it's just a gorgeous book. Uh, I, I know a lot of people don't like black and white books, but this is a great black and white book. Black and white books are awesome. And I, I get yeah. disappointed when people don't like them because they're so good. There's me also, too, me too. They are perfect for if you ever want to make t-shirts of your favorite panel. Yep. <laughs> That's accurate. Yeah, yeah. That's actually a really was, good idea. I was going to say, I definitely uh, want to check this out now because I really, for whatever reason, uh, enjoyed The Old Man in the Sea when I read it in high school, and this is giving me all the vibes of that. Uh, it's mm. got very old man in the sea vibes that's a very good point i that's yeah that's a good correlation i could see that definitely so as soon but, as soon as you were describing it that's the first thing that popped in my head and i was just like oh yeah and then i thought about Hemingway uh sitting there uh drinking rum and being angry <laughs> <laughs> well he did it's got, it's got very drinking rum and being angry vibes. <laughs> nice. it's got a it's got a little bit of moby dick vibes but his his white whales the ocean itself <laughs> i remember when i was like you know nine or ten visiting the ocean and the, or like going to the beach and then going to, up to a wave and trying to punch the wave oh wow <laughs> i had a lot of aggression as a child <laughs> but apparently it's from watching predator um but yeah <laughs> no, no i like the i like the artwork it looks really good it's nice and crisp like a black and white comic should be and um also, the um, it's available on Comicsology Unlimited. So if you can find it on the, the, the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, if you can navigate the app properly, yes. and top shelf directly, um, it, it's not an expensive book for what it is. But you know, if you want to awesome. buy it directly from top shelf, it's like four dollars digital, ten dollars print, kind of thing. The top shelf needs so. your money. So. Yeah. top shelf nature money uh but yeah it's it's um it's one of those things like underwater scenes i we did uh department h depth whatever like uh, last year um and i love that book partially because of the colors underwater like that uh, was really gorgeous uh, but the underwater scenes here being black and white are, are still like Brian was saying like the crispness, the the difference between that dark water and the bright plants and the dark water and the bright fish. It's just really, really well done. Um, I, I really liked the art in this book a lot. That that kind of dark, scary water is just really, really well done. The great unknown. Mm. It's very cool. Well, <laughs> um, Time to put on your uh, sad hats because um, I'm going to be doing my spotlight, <laughs> um, and it's it's a it's a kind of a, it's a sad one. I, I gotta tell you right now, um, but it's excellent. So I'm definitely recommending it to you. Just get ready to cry. Um, mm -hmm. It is uh, Rain 
uh, the first two issues are out. Uh, there's going to be a few more coming out soon, but we're two issues in. Uh, it was based on a prose by Joe Hill, the uh, lock and key guy, the, the son of um, Stephen King guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, also James Tinney, the third's doppelganger. They look exactly the same. Which is really cool. <laughs> they do. Um, but this was written by... Um, it was actually adapted to a comic by David M. Boer, uh, who does who did like Killer Queens, which I talked about a few months ago. Um, Zoe Thorogood, the appendix, the appending blindness of Billy Scott, uh, which we've done as an episode, um, and an interview as well. Um, and Chris O'Halloran on colors and Sean Lee on letters, which we've talked about multiple times, multiple comics that they've done. But absolute murderers row of creators here, and what they've created is is fantastic um zoe's art is wonderful david uh his his dialogue is great he knows how to progress the story uh well on, on a on a comics page um not telling too much showing enough you know just a really really good job in that um but so i'm kind of avoiding the the, the subject of the story so this is the story of um a girl named honeysuckle who has fallen in love with a girl named yolanda and they live in well honeysuckle lives in colorado springs and yolanda yolanda lives in denver so not too far away like 60 miles apart from each other uh this whole story occurs on a nice sunny day where Yolanda is going to be moving into Honeysuckle's apartment and they'll be living together. And so all nice, happy things going on there. Um, All of a sudden, as they're arriving, there are storm clouds that appear that were not expected. Not much thinking about it. It's Colorado, you know, like there's humidity in the air. It's in the summer you know like it could happen um a summer storm you know but it starts raining well the problem is that the rain is not water per se but crystal needles at thousands and thousands of crystal needles just raining upon everything outdoors on earth so or on uh in in this in this town and so obviously the carnage is great um everyone's out because it's a hot summer day originally um it kills like 70 percent of the town of the city um lots of death lots of confusion obviously because why is it raining crystal nails um there's questions of like like were these terrorists that caused this or was this just a natural phenomenon from like a volcano um so it becomes a kind of a a disaster story well yolanda unfortunately doesn't make it through the initial rain and honeysuckle once again is uh is alone and decides to have to try to make it to denver to tell her to see one if yolanda's dad honeysuckle comes from a family that doesn't accept that she's gay so um they've kind of um become apart departed from each other but yolanda's family has accepted honeysuckle as kind of a a second daughter and accepted you know like basically like we're your replacement parents which is pretty awesome so she has a lot of affinity towards 
her uh, her parents. And unfortunately, the mom is, has also passed away from the rain. And so she decides that she needs to go to Denver to um, to make it to see one if if the dad's alive and two to let them let him know if he is alive uh, that uh, what happened to to uh, her his family. So um, she puts on her boots, very strong boots that are that are very needle proof, and uh, starts trekking sixty miles towards uh, towards Denver. Um, now um, some things happen on the way. In the first issue, she beats a new companion who who um who kind of helps her out in a, in a in a spot where where people were gonna were going to attack um honeysuckle a cult is actually literally after honeysuckle for some reason and um and then um there's this little boy who's who lives in the apartment complex as um that um is t- has a, has some kind of medical condition where they're taking the medicine that makes them um advert adverse to the sun like they cannot be out in sun exposure for too long so he pretends to be a vampire all the time which is really adorable well uh he had offered a an umbrella to honeysuckle on her journey she didn't take it so he decides to follow (laughs) so not only do they have these appending rainstorms that are going to keep on occurring with these sharp needles now they have to deal with the um with a kid who can't be out in the sun without an umbrella. So there's a lot of things going on here. Sad, heartbreak, heart loss, you know, like, like love loss. But, um, and I just gave away the first two issues, but please read the first two issues. They're really, they're really well done. And we're going to keep on going in the story. Um, I guess, Carrie, if you can throw a spoiler alert before my, my description here, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, um, definitely recommend. No, I've Sounds been taking this up. Yeah, but I haven't read it yet. But yeah, first of all, the art looks superb. Like I flipped through it, but I'm definitely looking forward to reading it even more now. Yeah. Um, yeah, Zoe Thorogood is amazing and a, a brand new kind of voice on the scene. And I'm definitely happy to to be picking up something else by her. Even though it's so sad. How horror is it? Is it like, uh, like, uh, yeah? Um, the uh, there's a little bit of gore, not much um, in it. Um, there's, you know, you um, they do have like close-ups of the of of the bodies with the needles, mm-hmm. you know, thousands of needles attached, you know, like basically puncturing them. Um, there's a. Few, I know that um, eye horror is very is very triggering to some people. Like Ooh. any kind of any kind of damage to an eyeball. Um, yeah, that's there's funny. I there's don't a, like that. There's a little bit of that. Um, it's well done. The artwork definitely kind of conceals the gore. If you if that makes yeah. any sense, um, it's not it's not like um, a gratuitous comic. Definitely. Right. Okay. Cool. Um, um, I would, yeah, just I would kind of dip your your hit. Well, the the, the needle storm doesn't happen till the end of the first issue, so you might have to read through the first issue to to get to the kind of the the more bloody parts. But that sounds fair. Yeah, it's it's not too bad though. But for for the subject of what it is, it could it, yeah, yeah, you could get another artist out in there and make it just 
viscera and gore and it would work but it would definitely be a different comic okay oh well so i think that is it um for our first parts of our our, uh, podcast um our episode so we're gonna go ahead and move on to the interview which we will have right now Hi, everyone. We are now joined by Ahmed Rafat, who is the um, creator, writer, artist of the uh, webcomic, The Diary of the Astronauts, which will be coming out soon as a crowd, um, crowdfunding comic of, on Zoop uh, at the end of March. So thank you for joining us, Ahmed. Thank you for having me. It's uh... It's a, it's an honor and a pleasure. Oh well, thank you. Same same as always as on our on our part here. Uh, now we always like to start our, our questions with the uh, a standard question of what is your uh, comic book order our origin? My comic book origin. Um, I've uh, I've always loved comic books ever since I was a kid, and uh, I've, I was drawing like all the kids were drawing uh, comics. Everyone who was a fan, I think, did their own comic book when they were kids. But uh, I, when when it came to uh, formal education, I uh, per- was persuaded by my parents and everyone else to become an engineer because uh, I was good at math, basically. Nice. <laughs> uh, so uh, so I became an engineer, and uh, in the back of my mind, I've always wanted to make a comic book at some point, but I didn't really put any effort into it and also because I was living in Egypt at the time uh, comic culture is not as big as it is in the UK or the US so I didn't really know where to start Um, and it it was just something you know like I keep telling myself uh, one day I'm gonna make a comic book publish something and it went on like that until I turned 30 which was kind of like a, a an alarm bell or a wake-up call for me like you know if you're gonna actually start doing this you mm-hmm. better start now because you're running out of time basically uh and uh this was when i uh start i, I started doing art more regularly putting it online social media helps uh in that aspect by that time twitter and instagram and facebook were all established platforms with many people on them uh and through a friend from work uh, I got to meet uh, the writers of my first work, which is an Egyptian comic book called The Ozba, mm-hmm. about the theme of Egyptian superheroes. And uh, that was that was my first work in 2015. <clears throat> um, since then, I've, uh, after a year after that, I moved to the UK and I started going to conventions and, and meeting the community here. And then I started working uh, on short stories, anthologies. Uh, I've met somebody online, Tim Styles, who writes a comic book called Gorilla My Dreams. And I worked with him on from the beginning, creating the characters and uh, all the issues so far. I've, I've, we've had three issues out, which I've grown and uh, we've had a couple of spinoffs, which I've contributed to as well. And uh, and then uh, Astronauts uh, happened. It 
started playing with the idea uh, in late 2019. I started working on it regularly in 2020. And uh, and here we are. This is my this is my this is the first time I've ever written uh, comics. Before that, I was always the artist working with somebody else. So this is my first writing uh, credits, my first writing uh, gig uh, when it comes to comics. And uh, and yeah, um, uh, this this is where I am now. Oh, that's really cool because like the writing's great. So that's a, a good a good first uh, try there. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have expected that. The writing's very clean. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, 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 that's good. No, uh, I was really... When we go into more details about the comic itself, uh, I was winging it, really. I never expected it to be... <laughs> I never expected to go this far with it. So... It just felt really seamless. I'm surprised that this is your first go at it. So, congrats to you, bro. You have some good natural talent. Thanks. Well, I, I, this gives me confidence. Maybe more. <laughs> I should try writing more longer narratives from now on. Excellent. Um, now, you, you mentioned the um, the kind of the comic culture um, earlier in in Egypt. Um, is, is it? It's pretty pretty different than it is as, as it is in the UK or the US, isn't it? It, it, it is, uh, it's, it's definitely not as big as the US or the UK. Um, gr- growing up, uh, there were no conventions uh, at all uh, or, any, or, any, or any comic shops, uh, you know, places to meet other people who mm-hmm. are into comics as well. So, uh, so uh, and, and when, when I was a kid, comics were not as cool as they are now. Yes, it's uh, <laughs> same. It, it was it was difficult to have a meaningful conversation with somebody else in school about comic books. Everyone was very dismissive of that, so it was very difficult to find somebody else who is like me, more or less. Um, but uh, recently, things have started changing a little bit. We had our first comic convention in twenty fifteen. Which incidentally was also the, the year uh, my first work there came out, and it really helped, you know, to go to the convention and have a table and and sell it there because I'm I'm not sure we would have gone anywhere without doing that uh, with it. Uh, so it's been it's 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 been on the rise, especially especially with with Marvel and all the films, uh, superheroes and and comic books have have become mainstream culture now, not just the. Uh, uh, something a fringe uh, interest that uh, only a certain group of people are into <clears throat> so uh, so it's definitely changing now but well when I was a kid uh, there was there wasn't really much I, I used to go like hunting for for comic books on newsstands yeah in places where I knew they might be sold and, and go through uh, Secondhand, like secondhand bookstores, uh, maybe somebody had a comic book and left it there and things like that. So it was very difficult to to have access to comics in general and uh, and to have access to the culture. Uh, and uh, that scene when you were growing up, was it more translated or you know imported books, or was is there like a a scene of like Egyptian creator owned books going on over there? Um, no, it was it was uh, mostly in my case it was mostly American stuff, DC and Marvel. Uh, there were a couple of translations over the years. Uh, I think one of the one of the reasons why I got into comic books in the first place was because there was a translation of the. There used to be a comic that came out based on the Batman the animated series uh, mm-hmm. TV show, uh, 
Right, the Batman Adventures book. Yes, yeah, yeah, that, that one. And this used to be translated in Egypt because uh, because the 90s were where uh, Batman was very popular in generally the movies and the TV show and all that. So there was a lot of interest even in Egypt uh, in in uh, in reading uh, Batman comics. And awesome. uh, and uh, and these were being translated. It was uh, they. I think they've they had the whole run, so it wasn't just like one or two issues. So I think I had like thirty or thirty-five issues or something like that. And this really this was a jumping point for me. So I started reading these, and then I started looking for others. Uh, but they were not translated. Uh, they were in English. I used to go to bookstores where I knew uh, English stuff's going to be sold. Uh, and I went from one thing to the other, but but even with that, uh, we weren't getting everything. So we were getting Superman and Batman and Spider Man, maybe X Men every now and then. Nice. But I wouldn't find any of the image stuff, for instance, or or any of the vertical stuff. These are all things that I read later on where, when I grew up and uh, started traveling abroad and, and going to comic shops abroad or, uh, or ordering online. Uh, but back then, uh, I didn't really have access to as much variety as uh, people in the US and the UK would have. Well, Batman was also my starting point as well. So that's that's something I, that we do I, have. I think it was. I think it was a starting point for anyone who grew up as a kid in the late eighties, early nineties, oh, yeah. because the film was. I mean. There was mania everywhere about the film and the merchandise and everything. Batman was everywhere, and and this was the first film I saw in the cinema as well. The, oh wow! The, the, first, oh, cool. the, first, the first Batman movie. Wow. Uh, Joker was that will indoctrinate you. <laughs> yeah, definitely the whole experience. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. So uh, so uh, so yeah, I mean the nineties were the nineties were good. I mean. There was Batman and there was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as well, which is based mm-hmm. on a comic book. But the, sh- the show was very popular in Egypt. Oh, very uh, So, uh, so yeah, there was uh, the part of the culture was there, but not as broad as it would have been uh, somewhere else where th- there is an established comic scene. Did they uh, change the title for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for you? Or not? Um, well, we, we we had we had an Arabic, but I know in the UK they changed yeah, it yeah. from ninja to hero, and they removed. Yeah, yeah, we had. I grew up with teenage mutant hero turtles. Yeah, yeah. I think that we we got the British version because I I recall seeing hero. Yeah, I that makes it was always hero for me as a kid. When I later later on, I found out that it was the UK had a different title. Yeah. But yeah, I remember. I remember them. There was nothing wrong with swords or size or anything, but nunchucks. No, you can't call them ninjas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. That's it's like everything but the name ninja. Yeah, it's okay. Okay. And they were only ninja because ninja is a cool word. Yeah, (laughs) right. Exactly. Exactly. It's so silly. (laughs) Um, Like uh, my cousin was so into them. So like that's that's. That's why I got to got my teenage mutant hero turtles. Nice. Well, I have to ask then. Uh, who who is your favorite turtle on it? Um, uh, Raphael. I yes. Since I was a kid. Yeah. Good man. Good man. <laughs> That's but, the only uh, right answer, in my opinion. Now, now, now that uh, now that I'm a parent, I realize that probably Leonardo was the most sensible. But, yes. Uh, <laughs> 
but no, growing up, Raphael was yeah. Growing with up, adult Raphael eyes, it's Leonardo and Donatello are the ones you want to aspire yeah. to be. But it was all about Raphael back in the nineties. Yeah, we, we we all want to be cool but rude, you know. Growing up, <laughs> but so uh, so with the Diary of Astronauts, uh, it, it originally came out as a webtoon, and um, there's been a lot of discussion recently about the high expectations that readers have for webcomic creators. Did you feel any of that pressure? Um, no, I, I mean, I'm aware of the, the, the expectations, especially when it comes to scheduling and all that, because when I started doing this, I started doing it in my free time. I, I didn't really like stop working on other stuff while doing this. And uh, I, I'm, I also have a day job, so, so I'm doing this in, in the evenings in my free time. Uh, so I, was, I, I, I set the schedule from the beginning that I would have a page coming out every two weeks, which is not ideal. I know that some people put out three pages a week or, or four pages a week, but I would have never been able to maintain this kind of schedule. Oh, uh, but I, I mean, I, I think if people like the story, they will give the creator the leeway to you know uh, take time to make things because <laughs> art takes time unfortunately and uh, especially mm. when it comes to comics yeah it's funny that how sometimes people forget that and they also forget like you know like when, when they like oh, i want a commission of something and then they are like wait i have to pay money for it it's like yes because <laughs> it takes time to do it yeah it takes money. <laughs> yeah but yeah I've, the, I've had this i've had this open conversation a few times with people yeah. yes. uh or like can you just can you design a tattoo for me or 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 something and i'm like are you paying for this or <laughs> <laughs> exactly like yeah that's how usually when i'm i'm you know, I will, when I approach someone, I will be like, I will pay you. Just let me know how much it costs. I want you, could you do this for me? And then, you know, just to make sure that we're all on the same level that, you know, like, yes, I do understand that I have to pay for it because this is your job and you have to make money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, not not many people. Uh, and, and I know that, I mean, most of them are, are not doing it because of uh, any uh, bad intention. It's just that a lot of people really don't know how what what goes into making art or making uh, comics or uh, it, it takes time it's not just you know i'm not gonna whip out a pen yeah. and, and do it in five minutes or at least i i wouldn't want to give them something that is rushed or uh, of bad quality I'd, I'd like to take my time and and treat it as uh, any other paid job uh okay. so uh so so a lot of people just uh are not familiar with with how the, the inner workings of, of how what goes into making arts so but, but some people are just trying to be cheap um, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, I have to admit I can see, I can see, like you know, someone you know say like, oh, I could draw, and I draw things really fast. I don't understand why. You know, like, like why it's taking them so long to do this and why it's costing me money. Um, but now ask, it's like sport. People, since it's a fun job, since yeah. it's a or perceived to be a fun job, they're like, oh, yeah, just do it. Just whip it out real quick. Yeah. Just a little script. It still works. Fine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, you're talented. You can just do it real fast. Uh, now, has the has webcomic creation changed during the pandemic? And, and how has it if it has? 
Um, I, I actually started the web series uh, like one month before. Uh, oh. No, actually, no. Oh, the, wow. the, the way no, no. The way I started this, I I, uh, I was posting them on Instagram and Twitter. I didn't have a website, mm -hmm. and uh, and I, I didn't really have a schedule for it. Uh, I was just like, whenever I have something and a new idea, I just uh, draw it and then post. And uh, a lot of people started asking me where can I read the rest of this? And I tell them, go to my Instagram and browse and you'll find it, which is very inconvenient. So I, st I started the website uh, late 2020, just as a place to have, to just have everything in one place. So if somebody asks, where can I read all this? I can tell them, you know, here's the website, you can go and, and browse. Uh, but... Uh, I'm I'm not sure if uh, if things have changed uh, during the pandemic or not. I, I know that uh, when during the first lockdown, uh, a lot of comic projects happened. Uh, a lot of I, I did a lot of collaborations during that time. Part of it was to uh, uh, to benefit comic shops that were closed. Uh, a lot of people were collecting funds through like making an anthology or something and the funds will go to benefit comic shops or, or benefit anyone that's been affected by the pandemic but also i think because a lot of us had suddenly had free time yeah. <laughs> uh, absolutely I totally get that we started and, and we, uh, yeah and we wanted to connect in in one way or another because uh suddenly everyone was locked at home but i, I got to work on an anthology with 30 other artists and we started a slag group and we were, the whole thing came organically basically. It was about quarantine, the, the theme of, and then the name of the, the book is quarantine. Yes. But it's like, you know, we're, we're all, we're all uh, locked at home now. Let's, let's start a slack and uh, let's get together and let's work on something. And uh, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. You gotta have to have your, your brain keep on working, you know, especially, it's easily to just like huddle into a corner during these times and not do anything and just like everything kind of just go away, but, but it's, it's not healthy. So. I'm, I'm yeah. That. And it was, it was a way uh, of dealing with the whole thing because uh, I mean, two years in it now we're, we're mm -hmm. kind of, I don't want to say get you got used to it, but, but we know it exists in, in our world now that, you know, there, there is. I think we've all found a way to cope with it. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah, somewhat, yeah. So. It, it was, it was a way, it was a way for all of us to cope with all what's going on. Like, we, you know, we're going to get together and we're going to make something and life goes on and we're, we're still making art and we're still making comics. And, and uh, we're, we're not just going to be uh, uh, left to our thoughts with all what's going on in the world exactly yeah, yeah and creating something is a definitely a healthy way to cope with it my original coping mechanism was buying things on ebay which, <laughs> was, which was great for the first two weeks until you know <laughs> the obvious happened so yeah so yeah you ran out of money what's yep, the obvious happened you're exactly. you? <laughs> both of those you run out of space yes. yeah yeah i i i did that for a brief period of time I've, uh, i started going on ebay and looking for for old action figures that uh, nice. i wanted when i was a kid or had when i was a kid and and uh i don't have any more but then yeah it was uh it, it wasn't the best idea money-wise uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, money. I did what something. was your favorite one you picked up <laughs> um i picked up the the 
favorite one is uh, Steel. Uh, you know, Steel from the Reign of the Superman. Yes, of course, of course. Because uh, because this was the first uh, DC comic book that I've read. Uh, nice. that, that was not translated. You know, the, the first actual. Uh, I I. I remember the death of Superman was big in the news, even in Egypt. Uh, they ran articles about the newspapers that you know Superman's dead now, which was like, whoa, all right. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was so crazy. I, so, I, so I decided to go and buy uh, and, and and buy the comics, and then this was the first one that I bought. So I still have it. It's in terrible condition, but it's still there. Uh, uh, and I wanted the action figure, but they didn't have it in Egypt. And I, I even remember my grandmother was traveling to the U.S. that year. And I described to her, you know, I want... Obviously, she didn't understand anything from what I was saying. But I like described to her in details. Like, I, you know, there's this character called Steel. And it looks like this. And uh, I want the action figure. And she, she, she didn't buy it, obviously. So, uh, so I decided to go on eBay and see if it's still being sold anywhere. And I found it and I, I, I got one. So uh, that was, uh, it was nice to, to have that after all these years. That's very, awesome. Very nice. I mean, steel, a steel action figure is kind of hard to find he, even here in the United States. So that's awesome that you found one. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah. 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 If it's, if it's not Batman or Superman proper, it's kind of hard to find action figures of certain characters. Um, so now as for, for the diary of the astro nudes, um, with the plot, uh, what had interested you in the plot, um, to, to go this way as well as like have a kind of an, a retro multiversal slice of life story. Um, uh, the, the way how this whole thing came together, uh, I'm a bit of a casual nudist myself, and I think a lot of us uh, became in the last few years. Being stuck. <laughs> yes, it's better than doing. And, uh, yeah, and I've been uh, I've been wanting to do something related to this topic uh, for a while, but I didn't really have any ideas uh, uh, in mind. Uh, well, one of the ideas I was playing around with in the beginning was to have like something a uh, murder mystery set in a nudist resort or something. Uh, but this this has been done before so many times, and uh, so I uh, uh, I decided not to go through with it. And uh, one one day I, I thought that I'll, I'll do a parody of. Uh, strange tales covers uh, the fifties Marvel ones, uh, but mm-hmm. instead of having a monster emerge from the spaceship, I'll have these two characters emerge from the spaceship. And uh, so I drew it, and I had no plans beyond that. It was just a one-off parody illustration, and I posted it online, and uh, I-, I was expecting a very bad reaction to it because it's very different from anything else I've ever worked on and i wasn't sure if <laughs> people following me would would like that kind of thing but people were quite positive about it and uh, they were asking is this part of a new series uh, is this is there more of this uh, i plan to make more which i wasn't didn't have in plans at the time but i said yeah probably <laughs> and uh yeah i started, I started this as a series of illustrations and uh then one page stories which is why some of the pages in the in the print edition has titles at the beginning because they were meant to be just a one page one off thing 
um, and uh, and then a narrative started to form more or less uh, as I went along. So uh, so I didn't really do this the conventional way of having a script with everything from day one and working with that kind of started with something very small and then, then I started adding to it uh, as I went along. Um, the, the reason why I did it in this retro style, uh, first of all, this, this is something I've always wanted to try working in and uh, I never really got the chance with, with, uh, with all the other stuff I was doing. And, uh, and also because part of the inspiration to the comic is the 60s uh, nudist camp films, mm-hmm. uh, which influenced the, the, the way, uh, the, the tone and, and the look of the comic book and, uh, and uh, everything, basically. There was a certain uh, sense of uh, innocence and uh, joyfulness in these films. They, they, were, they were very idealistic. Uh, and I wanted this same spirit uh, in the work, uh, which is why I decided to go in that direction. I think it's a happy accident with it starting as webcomic because since you have that retro style to it, the uh, the uh, title cards at the each of each like vignette kind of just works out. Like if you ever read like Amazing Fantasy fifteen, it's multiple stories each with its own little title yeah. card. So with yeah. the aesthetic that you chose, it really does work. Definitely. And designing these title cards is quite fun. I, I have. I, mm. I've never also designed, did any titles or any lettering or anything before. So, uh, so trying to get these to look a little bit uh, like the title cards from 60s sitcoms and 50s sitcoms was, uh, was a fun part of the process. If I had come across this organically, like on the internet, I would have thought it was something from the 50s and 60s. It's well, that's, that's, that, that really makes me happy because I'm, I'm, never sure whether I, I, I never try to 100% nail the aesthetic like I don't want to fool somebody into thinking it's from the 50s but I try to stick to the same techniques and color palettes and all that from from, from that time because there was a very limited color palette that uh, they were working with in the 50s and 60s so I try to stick to the same color schemes I look through uh uh, I've, I've had to look through a lot of uh, stuff from the 50s and 60s uh, just to get ideas of uh, <clears throat> how to color this, how, how to draw the pages. But uh, because I see some people who like run the pages into 50 different filters of yellow and, and it, just to make it look like it's an actual very old page. Um, I try, but it, if it doesn't come out exactly like that i don't worry too much about it i think the idea is clear to everyone absolutely and and the and the, the writing itself uh, as well as the the themes of the story have modern sensibilities which is kind of a cool juxtaposition between the art and the and the um the story that's pretty cool the now when it comes to coloring it uh, you you're using that that dot coloring method that was very common yeah. in those eras so was working with that format was that more difficult or easier than mo- modern coloring techniques um for me for, for me it is uh, a bit easier actually i'm a very indecisive person in uh in life so giving me all the colors in the world it's it, it 
gets very difficult to decide which color to go with. But but because uh, because they had like a, a very specific set of colors to use during in, in those days, it, it became a lot easier because you know I've I've got like thirty colors that I can choose from and uh, like two two different kinds of greens, four different kinds of blues. I don't have to to uh, stress over which degree of this color or that color that I want to put to my work. So, so it was easy. The, the difficult part was uh, preparing this for print. Uh, I had to go through some of the colors because some of the things did not turn out as planned uh, when it comes to printing, uh, which is uh, ironic because this technique was used to print the exactly. <laughs> But uh, it's 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 all about the RGB to CMY, CMYK or is it CYMK? I keep forgetting. I I don't see in K in the beginning and I, I yeah I'm the same with you. I I'm not sure if it's ever Y first. I think, yeah. I think it's the I think it's Y first. It's YK. It? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the conversion between these two formats uh, caused a lot of the colors to go in a completely insane direction. So I had wow. to redo some of the work, but I mean, it's it's part of the learning process. And uh, now I know for the next issue or the, the, the next volume that, you know, I'm gonna keep this in mind that, you know, when we go to print, uh, we'll have to make sure that uh, the colors work properly. <clears throat> but I know you said that you're like a uh, casual nudist, but like, did you have to do research? Because I will tell you this, going in, when I got just the title of the book, I was like, oh, so this is going to be very hoardy. And then <laughs> I was like, and when I read the book, I was like, no, this is actually very uh, respectful and just like a very nice depiction of a couple of nudists. So did you, were you just able to draw on what you know and how like you decide to live with that? Or did you have to actually do research on like nudists themselves? Not uh, no, not not about nudists themselves. I mean, I've, I've like I said, I've looked at some of the movies from the time just to mm -hmm. get the uh, the mood of the atmosphere. But I was I was very familiar with the uh, with the with the lifestyle itself and the ideology. And I I set out to do something that is not. I know that in media, especially mainstream media, the depiction of nudity is usually in a very sexual way or at least tongue-in-cheek, which is not something that I wanted to do. I wanted to approach the subject with a very, in a, in a very respectful and uh, non-sexualized way. So whatever anyone would be doing, uh, these characters are just doing them naked. So uh, I wasn't going for any like close-ups or, or anything, uh, you know, that any anything that you'd expect in, in, in a, in a in a comic with a similar nature, uh, I was I was this this is something that I had in mind from the beginning. I'm, I'm, I don't want it to be perceived as a sexual comic or a porn comic. Which I mean, I, I don't have anything against these, but I didn't want mine to be similar to that. Uh, you definitely uh, <laughs> no, you nailed the objective because I do feel like just as a reader. Um, just seeing the uh, the two, the couple that they're living with, as the book progressed, they're getting more and more comfortable with their nudity. And I just felt yeah. like, hey, like I was out here like, hey, why? Like when I was reading the book, when I got to the end, I was like, why aren't I naked more often? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, and 
uh, one of the first things I thought when uh, when I was began was I hope that they're not naked when they're cooking, and I'm, I'm glad <laughs> that, that was that was addressed early. You know, right? And you, yeah, yeah he, he addresses yeah. everything that like yeah, all, yeah. all the uh, trials and tribulations. You kind of address them all. <laughs> exactly. So I really it's did. Not- I, I re- oh. thought it really did capture the film's um, mood because they were always very utopian mm-hmm. and they were always just yes. doing very like playing tennis or you know like yeah, exactly. yeah. hanging out yeah. and it was always just like asp- they, they made it as aspirational as it could be. I mean it never like sort of made me as a kid go oh because I, I grew up seeing those the, the the films and the adverts and stuff like that and it was always and no one was ever worried about kids seeing the films you know like because you know, I'm a kid of the 70s. So, like, nobody was ever like, oh, protect children from that because they were so wholesome. Mm-hmm. They were literally just people who weren't wearing clothes and, like, you know. Yeah, I think utop- utopian, u- utopian is the right word to describe them. And then uh, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, they were very wholesome. People are just, uh, you know, sunbathing and enjoying their time. That, because the part of the reason why they were made is that they were promotional uh, films for the lifestyle. Yeah. So, uh, so that that was that was the whole point to portray it as something very healthy and wholesome, and uh, p- people enjoying the sun and uh, swimming, playing volleyball, all these things. Uh, and that that was kind of the mood that I was trying to go for. Uh, just something wholesome, something that is uh, that is a little bit uh, removed from reality, and they say. Uh, I, I think you got it pretty well in reality. I, I do fairly casual nudism myself pre-pandemic. Um, only like around people maybe once. I had a boyfriend I lived with for five years and it, or three years. Together five years, lived with three years. I think it kind of got on his nerves. Um, <laughs> but it's, you know, you live with someone and you are the way you are. I, you kind of get lazy about it. <laughs> I think I, I think I wore clothes for like the first six months and was like, screw it. I'm not going to anymore. Um, and just that idea of, yes, you're just going to like cook without clothes. You're just going to like hang stuff around the house up without clothes. You're just going to do stuff without clothes. It's, it's, you know, it's very casual. It's just life without clothes. I think it did a very good job with it. Thanks. And uh, yeah, I mean, Part of it was or the situational stuff, like the cooking, for instance, because a lot of people think that if you're a nudist, then uh, you have to be naked all the time. And uh, even, even if you're doing something dangerous or is it, clothes do serve a purpose, even for a nudist, when, if, if they're doing something mm-hmm. like cooking, doing something that is, uh, you know, uh, uh, might be dangerous to them. Uh, so, so that's, for instance, the, the kitchen one was about that and uh and yeah most of the situation most of it is things that you hear other people asking about or uh you know the the casual stuff that happens uh at home like you know you're sitting working at home for instance the the working at home one for instance was pretty much inspired by the lockdown and the pandemic and all that because after we a lot of us started uh working from home i heard a lot of people saying that they still work in their office clothes even yes. if they're working from home and like why are you doing that yourself <laughs> no i think now everyone gave up after two years but uh, but back then yeah, <laughs> they, they were 
Some offices are still making people. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I remember because I've worked from home for like eight years. And when I saw that, I was like, dude, I don't think I've worn anything that isn't pajamas or just a T-shirt for like <laughs> seven years, about eight years. And even then I was like, never, no, come on. Like, don't don't wear business clothes in the house. Yeah, a lot of people were very, were very formal about it uh, in the beginning. And uh, especially because we were all like posting, there, there was... Uh, there was a period of time in March when everyone was adjusting to this sudden change in the way we do things. And mm-hmm. everyone was very talking about it all the time. Like online, you'd see people saying, uh, you know, this is my new office and, uh, and, and, and this is me taking a meeting and this is me doing this and this is me yeah. doing that. And you can and see think, a lot of people- I think there was some genuine concern about like, how do I stay productive? And, and people yeah, sort of- yeah like put that all together is I need to get into work mode at home and it's like it's it's not that hard you just work like yeah um but for so many it just showed how much um putting on work clothes became this kind of uniform for people I think it's only sort of a few months into doing it and seeing they were still productive that people realized it was literally you don't need it exactly feel you need it the Oh, I work at a standard fare um, office job. And when we, we, for the first few months, we were working from home and um, I would just work, you know, in a t-shirt and, and pants, just regular casual clothes. But whenever we'd have a, a office meeting or, or we'd be talking to a client of ours, um, I had a polo shirt at the ready, just to, to hop <laughs> to put on real quick, you know, put on a collar. Yeah. Yeah, for, for for that reason, I, th- I think we all I think we all have an emergency like shirt or something somewhere near us. I I have an emergency shirt nearby just in case one of these meetings come up and I have to, uh, you know, the like uh, I have to, to turn on my camera or something. I just you know pu- pu- pull it out from yep. behind me and uh, and put it on quickly. Yeah, we had a work meeting once where um, and I was so used to having them only by voice. And then all of a sudden, somebody's like, should we all turn our videos on? And I was in my pajamas. I just like was like, you know what? Whatever. You're the ones who asked. And, yeah, and no. uh, you, know, the, you know, the cat came by and just showed everyone his butt. And it's like, again, this is gonna, you if you're going to give us no notice, this is what happens, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And that was the last time they asked for cameras. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I pretty much just always say no. Rebecca and I work together, and I'm like, yeah. no, <laughs> not happening. So, um, as as for the nudity on, on uh, the Astro nudes, um, I noticed that that there's a lot of um, of, of clever ways that you uh, conceal the lower nudity of the two Astro nudes. Um, now, was that more of a chore, or was that kind of fun, like just to come up with clever ideas to uh, to cover that those parts? It, it was it was fun. I, I got a lot of criticism from the from the nudists who are reading this, saying, "Why do you do that?" And the, you know, uh, but I just I, I thought it's a fun gag to be honest. It's it's it started off as uh, because when I started doing this, I honestly didn't know how people would react, especially coming from Egypt. Uh, a lot of the people following me on social media are Egyptians, mm-hmm. and this is a much bigger taboo there than it is. I mean, it is a taboo everywhere, more or less in mainstream, but it is much bigger there than it is here in the UK, for instance, or in the or in the US. So I started doing this as a way of like testing waters to see, you know, I, I didn't want to go all the way from from the beginning. 
I just wanted to uh, see how people would react first. Uh, if uh, and uh, and then it kind of became a running gag, like uh, like like the films from the 1960s, because I think the films never shown full frontal. No, uh, they were very. Always... Uh, it was always quite well hidden with like the, the, yeah. you know this this leaf would just get in the way. And... Exactly, exactly. Yeah, there's always a leaf or a ball or, or something. Got yeah. hiding the, the this this part, so uh, so I decided to keep it. See see how far I can uh, I can run with it. I think there's only one page, the last page yeah. where where uh, it's yeah. uh, it's. Uh, I thought if I didn't put this there, uh, the 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 nudist readers are going to kill me. Basically, <laughs> you'll have to have, have to have it in one page at least. <laughs> yeah. it was a good choice definitely uh, yeah it, it was it was actually kind of fun because of the entire time concealing it then at the end it's like ta-da you know like yeah yeah exactly yeah like yeah. when you least it, when you've almost given up on on any full frontal nudity in the book it yeah. comes out in the last page <laughs> mm, that's a funny way to put it <laughs> <laughs> yeah no now, will you be having the the astronauts uh, visit other cultures on Earth that um, and interact with people that have more lenient or strict views um, on nudity than Americans do? Um, I was actually thinking about that. I'm still I'm still writing up ideas for uh, for like a second season. I, I like to call them seasons because, like I said, the, the they're all small vignettes, so it's kind it's kind of like a sitcom, you know, where mm-hmm. you, you've got like a, a couple of episodes. Uh, uh make, making up uh, a season so uh, so i'm still coming up with ideas uh for for the second part and then i was i was thinking about that this was one of the ideas i was playing around with in my mind to have them go to other uh go to other countries or go to other cultures and and explore uh explore the notion of uh, nudity in the human body elsewhere uh, the, the, the first the first book is very much uh, 1950s Americana with with all the, the uh, ideas from that part from that era and from that uh, from that part of the world so so I was thinking about that uh, haven't haven't done any writing so it's not set in stone yet but it's definitely one of the things that came to mind it would be also interesting if you had the uh, astro nudes maybe visit a either in colony or just nudist that kind of inspired the book to see how that goes <laughs> yeah yeah uh there was a, there was a book that came out a few years ago from image called get naked which it, it was more of an autobiographical book by the author about his experiences with nudity around the world and that's that was one of the that was one of the very first books that kind of uh gave me the the motivation to start working on my own thing uh, because I thought, you know, that's cool. Maybe I can do something addressing the topic in uh, in a different way, but with a similar theme. But in the book, he was uh, uh, talking about uh, how how different cultures uh, deal with nudity. Like in Japan, for instance, there are the baths where uh, where nudity is allowed, but the baths are segregated. Uh, in Scandinavia, for instance, people are much more uh, uh accustomed to the idea of being 
naked in spas and the health clubs. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, so I was thinking maybe something similar to that, but but not exactly the same. But again, um, you know, I'm so just trying to get this one out uh, to the world, and then I'm going to start working on the second one. <laughs> That's always good news to hear when something that was as fun as this is going to have a sequel. So I'm definitely glad to hear to hear that. Um, now um, I, I know that uh, this is going to be coming out uh, soon via Zoop uh, for crowdfunding. Uh, now yeah. I, I'm guessing um, were were you originally going to go with Kickstarter or did you decide with Zoop uh, right away? Uh, and um. like, I was initially, uh, yeah. I mean, I've been, I've had this crowdfunding campaign in mind for a few months now. So initially, I wanted to go with Kickstarter, but because of all what's going on these days, uh, I, I just wanted to avoid any of the, the what's going on with Kickstarter at the moment. Mm -hmm. And Zoop seemed like a Good option. Uh, they've, they've just started out, and they've been they're they're uh, they're more involved in setting up the campaign and everything. Uh, so I've been talking with somebody directly from there, and uh, they've been uh, they, they said they can help with uh, setting up the the goals and and uh, doing all the different uh, calculations for uh, for the budget. And uh, so uh, so may, may, I'm. Uh, for somebody who's doing their first campaign ever, this is quite handy to have somebody kind of helping with uh, with with putting these things together. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Kickstarter was the plan at some point, uh, but then uh, although what's going on recently, I decided to go with Zoop. Um, yeah, and I went on the uh, the Zoop well, your website yesterday. And and Diary of the Astronews is the second book in the coming soon section on the front page. So you're definitely getting prominent real estate there, which is really really important. Yeah, and it's uh, it's it's good. I mean, if if the campaign is successful, hopefully it's going to be. It's it's good to be one of the first people using the platform and, and trying something new out. Uh, and and. They, they are a platform specifically dedicated to comics so there, there's nothing else there which is a good thing it's uh, so anyone who is going to be there is definitely going to be looking for comics not just looking for any projects of any nature to, exactly. to support no absolutely that's what's nice about it too because i remember you know I, i'm very much into crowdfunding as much as i can when it comes to comics and with kickstarter you have to literally click on the comic section to find books and it's nice on zoop where it's just it's there you know like you just yeah it on, yeah yeah so and a lot better advertising as well you know to the people who are there to fund comic books there they are right there so it's nice yeah, I mean, I was I was surprised when uh, I so somebody sent me the, the front page with uh, with the cover of the Astronauts there, and I was I was surprised that they put it there right away uh, because uh, I was just like talking to them a day before, and they were saying we're going to set up a campaign page uh, for people to register to get not notified when the campaign is live, and and the next day it's on the front page, which is good. I I don't think you get that with Kickstarter. 
yeah. but uh, when, when you go on their website, it's the first thing you see, which uh, a, bit, a bit of extra promotion is always needed when it comes to crowdfunding. Yeah. I, no, thought, I thought it was really exciting to see it there on the front page. Yeah, that's really yeah, cool. yeah, definitely. Now, um, now, um, as for future projects, anything that's in you know the 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 thinking process right now, or anything that you're you're creating, is there anything that you can reveal to us? Uh, maybe El Aspa uh, return, or or anything else like that? Yeah, uh, well, uh, oh, the, the, there's the second part of the astronauts, which uh, which is uh, I've started writing some of it but it's still very early stages uh also there there is potentially a new issue of an osba we usually have one per year uh because the writers have day jobs as well so they're busy <laughs> and i'm busy and whenever we have time to <laughs> make a new one we just do but we try to we try to have one every, one every year to have it uh, at the comic convention in Egypt which is usually in November so uh, we, we try to have something new there every year so that there possibly will be a new one we're, we're still in very early talks about it, what's going to be the theme and what the stories are going to be about and uh, I think Tim Stars is writing New Girl My Dreams right now he, I've seen him posting that you know he's writing scripts so it's probably going to be coming my way soon <laughs> very very nice uh, yeah and uh, that's 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 all what i have planned right now but it's still early in the year so who knows maybe something else is gonna come up well it's still uh, a good amount of work though yeah absolutely mm-hmm. it, it, is, it is more than uh uh i can handle uh <laughs> I'm, I'm a very, I'm, I'm a very, I'm a very slow artist by nature. So, uh, so I freak out when I when I see like uh, the Osba team saying that you know we have a new comic that we need to have ready before this or before that. And, you know, I have to start working on it now, and it's, all these things freak me out. But yeah, ho- hopefully, I'll be able to manage and and be able to carry on with astronauts as well because that's something that's gone on beside these things <clears throat> yeah and i'm glad that that you've been able to work at your pace because like your product is is very nice so it's it's Thanks. very very cool so all right well um i think i think that's everything on on our end here uh, now thank you once again for for joining us um i'm very excited to to uh, see what else comes out in the future uh, do you have uh, anything else you want to try to spoil to us, or anything else before before we uh, before we leave? Um, no, no, nothing else specific. But thank you for thank you for having me uh, today, and really enjoyed the chat. It's uh, it's very casual, which is which is always a good thing. Uh, it makes makes me easy, and you know, be able to talk freely. Yeah, uh, and uh, and I'm. Thank you for supporting uh, my work, and I'm glad you enjoyed Astronauts. And uh, yeah, looking forward to talk again soon. Thank you for making an awesome book. It makes all this a lot easier. Yes, I, know, I, can't, I can't wait to um, can't wait to go on the Kickstarter. Uh, Kickstarter on the Zoop. Zoop. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I have it. Um, I have the email warning. Yeah, I have the email set up so as soon as 
it goes live. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 launching March eighth. That's the that's the oh date. for my birthday. Beautiful. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> oh, March babies in the building. Birthday. Yes. Okay. Well, once again, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, good luck on all your future ventures as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're back, and thank you once again to Ahmed for uh, visiting with us and talking about the Diary of the Astronauts. Very nice conversation. What did you guys all think? Oh, no, that was awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no worries. Awesome. I thought that was a really statement quiet. of fact, yeah. not yeah. a question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I realized that I did not put the inflection in my, my voice. Uh, you could you could feel us all in the background just nodding and going, yeah, yeah, it was. And yeah, then like, Brian's no, like, no, uh, hello, audio medium. Like, yeah. you know. I apologize. I'm a horrible host sometimes. I've... No, no. <laughs> no, no, I think, you, I think you'll find we were the horrible co-hosts oh, no. like yeah. uh, yeah. letting you just hang there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no it was great uh, Ackman was really awesome to talk to and just I I, I mean I'll definitely be supporting this project but please support it it's an awesome book mm-hmm. mm. very fun very enjoyable very funny um, yeah no I, I think if anybody likes uh, kind of classic comics or funny comics comedy comics uh old movies um uh, mst3k uh just any anything that's a little bit whimsical this should definitely be something that you consider picking up um because it is just highly enjoyable uh and it's not really something just tonally that i've seen out there like everything's got I, I don't want to say everything out there is same samey same voicey same visually because it's not that's not accurate uh but this is not something I've seen anywhere else recently uh even in the realm of people trying to do retro uh comics like uh, you know people do try to do retro comics every now and again and this is not the track people take with it. People do retro superhero type stuff. People don't normally do retro sci-fi or retro type romance kind of things. And mm-hmm. uh, that's the direction this is going. And it is so much fun. I really enjoy it. Nice. Good. And also, um, I mean, I really love the uh, retro aesthetic of it, but also it's uh, this is that ground that people are going into in the comic medium or other medium Mm -hmm. like i i can't think of the last time i was confronted with a uh like a uh, like a nudist story in general so like yeah try something new it was very fun it's really well done it's an interesting romp but it's subject matter that you're not getting all the time in comics generally and abroad in my opinion you so should have gone with try something nude Damn it! Uh-huh. <laughs> that's, it right that should totally be the tagline for the uh, for the oh, uh, for the Zoop campaign. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it was right there, Dark. Why it was right there. I don't Why know. My brain. <laughs> I love also, it. I just I thought it was lovely. It's just such gentle humor as well. Yeah, it like, is. You Absolutely. know, it's just it's gentle. The art's very soothing. It's all just 
just and it's making very serious points about like you know why do we have to pack massive cases to go swimming like why do we put clothes on to go swimming yeah you know (laughs) i don't because i don't get in the ocean and i don't pack a lot (laughs) listen this i i have to just say i'm not this book spoke to me on so many fucking levels because people who pack a lot really drive me fucking nuts Uh oh i'm sorry stop packing so fucking much i don't get it <laughs> Carrie and I, a mental note that not, not to go on a vacation with Darcy. <laughs> I'm a very light packer, so I'd be all right. I'm all right. like, Thank you. I'm like, if oh, I I'm... don't have, if I don't have something, I'll just buy it there. You know, it's like it's fine. I'm definitely <laughs> just packing a suit. I'm like, what if something horrible just happens by mistake? I gotta no. be prepared. <laughs> yeah, and I walked into a cotillion. Break out at any moment. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all about a flash, a flash mob like, um, like royal ball. You're <laughs> like, you're like totally like uh, throwing up the gender stereotypes here because me and Darcy are like, yeah, we just don't take much. Like the men are like, no, no, what if this oh. happens? Oh, and, and Rebecca, I've gotten better. If this was ten years ago, and I was like completely sneakerhead guy, it's like, well, I have to bring four right. different shoes because yeah. this color goes with that color it's insanity so i've got yeah, I've, a, <laughs> i'm like I've i'll take one pair of shoes <laughs> and they and they've got to be easy to come off because of the the yep. the airline Absolutely. i oh, always, only yeah. do carry on because i, I hate yep. waiting at the thing mm-hmm. so it's going to be a small thing everything's got to be rewearable <laughs> No, no, Darcy, I would wear my most difficult uh, shoe to the airport because it took up the most space in the luggage. So, <laughs> like, I would like hate you mess. so much. I would just hate a... you. Yeah, you yeah. would take so long to get through security. No, 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 no. I cannot stand you. You're a loser. In my defense, I'm very quick about it because, like, I have it down to a system, but it's bad. But it's bad. I'm not going to say it's good. It nice. is bad, <laughs> but, it, oh. but it is efficient. That's good. That's good. You own it. Yes. You got I, to. No, I totally Hilarious. get it. Um I'm not I'm not the uh the overpacker in our family. Um Okay. Can't, can't, you but, know she's editing this. I know. <laughs> Hi Carrie. Which no, it, and I, I don't have a problem with it really. Uh I'm glad that she does it because um well one, she she's She's beat Tetris a few times when getting these bags into oh, the no. into the back. Of, I, it's amazing what she can get into the trunk and like and how. Um, and and to you know, there's been moments where, um, you know, we we've we've been traveling and all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, oops, we forgot medicine or we forgot this and that, and having her kind of taking care of everything ahead of the point or to to an nth degree definitely um, definitely helps us out so um i think we're trying to get a little more consolidated we're you know but um but yeah there there's pros and cons to overpacking i would have to say hi carrie all i know <laughs> is that one day rebecca or darcy is going to be on vacation and a formal ball is going to uh, break out, and mm-hmm. they're going to wish, ah, oh, I should have packed my ball gown. Do you know what? And if I, and if I was I, in that situation, I'd be ready. Do you know what? <laughs> I cannot see any situation where I would ever want to... 
as someone here who's actually been to balls, and I'm not saying that nobody else has, but I have been to several balls. And uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't feel the temptation to go again. <laughs> Although I like one of the balls I went to, I did go with a duffel coat over my ball gown because I'm like, I ain't getting cold for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Okay, well, with um, I guess it's time for me to unpack the episode, if you will. Uh, nice. If you guys are all well done, well done, done, sir. Well done. That's a good one, yeah. Or wrap it up, <laughs> pack it up. I guess might be a better analogy there. <laughs> I'll unwrap it and then I'll pack it back up as okay. we go. So, oh, uh, we have reached the end of the show, and thank you for everyone for listening to us. And email us any questions or comments at better at gmail.com, Instagram, Twitter, and good pods at CDB Pod. Uh, website is commentsisarebetter.wordpress.com, where you can request a subject for a future show. And uh, don't forget to follow, rate, tell friends. That's the way we get listeners and we want people to listen to us. That's why we're recording this. And so, <laughs> Darcy, where can we find you on the internet? I am at books underscore serial and books and serial dot wordpress.com. And I am not doing anything right now because I'm doing weird work stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just mm-hmm. follow me on Twitter where I'm complaining about comicsology, apparently. <laughs> right. Excellent. And Richard, where can we find you? Um, hey, I'm basically at Topcat360 on all social media. Uh, be prepared. I'm going to have uh, probably a lot of anti-war takes in the next coming months because we live in mm. hell. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I support that. Yeah. Don't, don't blame you. That's good stuff. It's so annoying. It's so, We just got out of two. Why can't oh we just God, be done? Yes. It's fucking ridiculous. Fucking exactly. ridiculous. Oh, Our economy so relies on war. That's the problem. Um, so, Rebecca, where can we find you as well? Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Arbitrary Genius. Which is not as uh, braggy a name as it sounds. It was <laughs> random. I somebody told me the other day that it was a really obnoxious like Twitter <laughs> handle, and it's, it's fun. Just like right. I was like going. It's a long story, but it's just like it was meant as a joke, and like uh, I just got quite upset when somebody said they thought it was uh, this horrific. Unfollow yeah. Rebecca. Just just own it. Obviously, that person was a commoner. Yeah, <laughs> you've been to balls. So, yeah, they're, they're not going to Mike Cotillion. Exactly. Oh, just like, yep. I forgot. I forgot you guys all have proms, so you've all done it. Like, I'm like yeah. I was so traumatized by having to go to balls. So, like, yeah. I'm such a slob. It's like honestly, it's very funny. Uh, yeah. So uh, mostly arbitrary genius, and you'll you'll get to hear where else I am. But you know, I do a few podcasts. Nice. Awesome. I'm Bryjan underscore CB on Instagram. And all right, well, for for you're really getting your trouble and your yourself in trouble this episode. <laughs> I live for trouble. Brian's gonna be looking for a crap uh, couch to crash on. Uh, who's gonna be the host of the uh, of the podcast next week uh, after I, I mysteriously pass away? Um, okay, <laughs> so. Well, so for uh, Darcy, Richard, Rebecca, and and Carrie, uh, I'm Brian, and this has been the Comics Is Are Better podcast. And remember, comics is are better, and everyone deserves comics. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Later. Don't kill me, Carrie.